Start now. Build your goals. Set short-term milestones and longer-term milestones. Start saving today, and you'll be surprised. Uh, it'll take a little while, but it will get there, and it starts to accumulate. And like I said before, when you start focusing on what you can save versus what you can spend, it's a different world. Welcome to the Community Conversation Podcast presented by Community America Credit Union. We have a compelling and impactful story to tell, and our goal with these conversations will never be to sell you something. We would rather have an important discussion with our very talented employees, leaders, members, community partners, and experts from a variety of industries and causes to help educate and inform you. Stay tuned at the end of the podcast for some important disclosures. Hey, and welcome back to the Community Conversation presented by Community America Credit Union. I'm your host today, Justin Rickliffs. Happy to be back, friend and partner of Community America. And I'm joined by two familiar voices, faces to me, uh, but voices to you all. Um, Amy Grothaus, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having us again. You you bet, Amy. Tell us or remind us your title and your <laughs> role at, the, at Community America. Senior Vice President of Community Development. Which means what? Well, what I am in charge of is our financial well-being initiative and bringing to life our community access centers. And so we're creating centers in parts of the city that need access to resources like financial um, literacy, education, and other health and well-being resources that the community needs. Love it. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us again. Brad Scott. Brad, welcome back to you too, man. Thanks. Good to be back. Uh, Remind us who you are, what you do at Community America. Yeah. So vice president of wealth management. And basically, I work with the advisors uh, to make sure we have advisors in the branches to make sure they're providing good, effective advice and to help them in their career path and their development. Awesome. Um, For context, today's conversation, we're talking about how habits form self-made millionaires. Whoa. How about that? We're talking about millionaires today on the podcast. And uh, while social media may show that that's like a quick, easy path <laughs> or promise a quick, easy path. Um, I think you two are here to help us unpack how how it actually is an ov- not an overnight, not a quick fix, not um, this like microwave culture that we all live in that happens so quick. So um, we're going to talk through the habits that self-made millionaires have. We're going to talk about the relationship to debt that millionaires have, and we're going to talk about the relationship to investing that millionaires have. And there's a lot to cover, but we're going to we're going to stay in these three lanes. And so where I'd first like to begin the dialogue is around the habits that a self-made millionaire begins to form, especially with their, obviously, their relationship with money. Brad, what's on your mind? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start this by framing it this way. Um, I've had the great fortune of working in this business for a long time. I've worked with many, many millionaires over the years. And so what we'll share today is experience with them, things that I've learned from them along the way, maybe some things we've taught them along the way. That's right. So uh, that's that's where I am. That's awesome. So what's maybe one observation or shared experience that you, again, I know every context, every situation is different, every family is different, every individual is different, but the... What, what what's maybe one general observation you've had in terms of the habits that they form? Yeah, so we were talking about this uh, when we first yeah. got here. And I, I think one of the key things that stand out is discipline, 
impulse control, <laughs> and, and a really high attention to detail, uh, specifically about the numbers, so that they pay a great deal of attention to every decimal place. And uh, that's that's what I've seen as a big difference in general is, is again, just discipline. They're, they're focused on their goals, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, they, they don't follow trends. They don't chase impulse. They don't follow emotion a lot. It's really very rational thinking and, uh, again, attention to detail. What comes to mind when I hear that Brad speaking is they're thrifty. I think we talked about yes. that mm. early. And thrifty can mean a lot of things, but we were talking about the impulsing. You know, we have people that are spenders and savers, which I am more of the spender in the family. Same. But, I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the older I get, the more That's I'm right. trying not to be that way. But I really think that people that have done well with, you know, millionaire or that can be a state of mind, too, as far as, you know, finances go or the dollar signs. Mm -hmm. But people that have been really good with money and that have saved enough and haven't spent it mm. because they have been thrifty and they have not been impulsive. Um, so that is something that I think we both see in our line of work. Absolutely. Brad, what's thrifty mean to you? So <clears throat> thrifty to me means uh, – you know, uh, they're, they're not going to follow the, the trends. There's not a lot of FOMO, right, with, mm. with, with millionaires is, is they march to their own drum. So thrifty is being very careful, really thinking about every expense, thinking about the best way to acquire whatever it is they want to acquire, need to acquire. They put a lot of thought into the most efficient way to acquire it, right? So how do I buy this the smartest way possible? And sometimes that means you finance it because the rates – are very attractive and that you can make your money work better elsewhere. And sometimes uh, that means coming out of your savings to acquire whatever it is, whether it's a car or, you know, you name it. But uh, they tend to be very careful. Well, and it's also about not spending money if you don't have to. And mm -hmm. if you can make something instead of buy it or so then they can put that money into a savings and that they're paying themselves first instead of like, oh, I'll just go ahead and just frivolously. The There's do, no yeah. frivolous. Like everything is accounted for. And it could even be from making your, you know, and this may sound like a silly example, but your own laundry detergent. Like if they can, they're not going to spend extra money to have someone else, you know, make something for them. That's thrifty. Yeah. And, and uh, as I'm hearing you all talk, I'd love to hear your perspective. It seems like these habits are anchored in something bigger than the moment, I guess mm -hmm. I'd say maybe, or mm -hmm. um, Brad, you mentioned kind of ha they have goals, they have understanding of where they want to be. So it, we are emotional beings, but in those moments of impulse where people like me fall to, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, that habit or that mindset helps maybe carry that moment in in the service of a bigger story or a bigger goal. Is, is that an accurate way to describe it, Brad? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other interesting thing that I've seen is they think small. And here's what I mean by that. <clears throat> every little penny, every dollar, every bit that they can save, they know adds up towards their end goal. Whereas a lot of us sometimes, and I'm a reformed spender, my <laughs> wife might argue, but, but I'm getting better. But, uh, you know, where we might have a threshold of, well, if I can't save X number of dollars and I'll just go ahead and buy the whatever, whatever brand that's, you know, uh, maybe I find appealing, but there's a cheaper brand that does the same thing. Think laundry detergent, mm. whatever it is. Yeah. They think small, that little bit of savings to them, they know adds up over time. And some of us think 
have higher thresholds of pain that we want to mm-hmm. save. So we don't get started quite as quickly as they do. We don't save as much as they do because they're thinking small. They're thinking mm-hmm. that, that next decimal place about how to save, how to, how to squeeze more out of what they have. When, and when you think about millionaires, you typically think big, right? I mean, I think it's an interesting paradox that you're painting here of you typically think big and tons of money and tons of cash and like these big influxes of fill in the blank, humongous raise or sold a business or got an inheritance. But Brad, I think you're onto this. And Amy, I want to ask you the question mm-hmm. around, you mentioned paying yourself first. What's that mean? And, and how does that happen in a, in a Brad context of small? Yeah, I think for from what I mean when you pay yourself first is it kind of goes back to having a plan and a, a spending plan, a budget, a retirement plan. And paying yourself is savings. Like immediately, you're going to, you know, we've talked about the 50, 30, 20 rule with your wants and needs and paying yourself first by putting aside money. Like this is going intentionally into whether it's a savings account, money market, or other investments, you're not buying something. It's saving and that's, you're paying yourself first. Yeah. And I think that that thinking small thing applies to retirement savings as well. Um, a lot of the folks that I've worked with over the years who are millionaires, they started very young. They started with mm. very small amounts. Sometimes we get caught up in thinking, man, I'm going to need you know, X amount of dollars when I retire, whether that's a million or north of a million or whatever it is. I'm going to need this big sum. And so they don't connect the dots that you start really early and you start with really small amounts and it will get you there over time. But you've got to start early. So an example would be when my when my daughters both started their first jobs. It's all right, first thing to do is sign up for that four hundred one k, and mm-hmm. you know contribute till it hurts has always been my advice to them. Right. <laughs> I really good. love that if you yeah. think about that. I mean that's a good message to send to your kids early on. Is like contribute till it hurts. Yep. So to your point, you know, say you know, say you pay yourself first. Yeah. That four hundred one k is the first thing. You never see it. You mm-hmm. never feel it. Mm-hmm. Likewise, when they get their first merit increase or first raise in time, mm-hmm. is is bump up your contribution amount by about one percent. So mm-hmm. you know, say you get a three percent raise every year, um, bump your four hundred one k contribution contribution by one percent. You never feel it, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, in a few years, you're putting away 10, 15, 20 percent of what you've what you what you're earning, until you cap that out. And mm-hmm. then once you cap out your four hundred one k, you start looking at other things. Point is, start young, start small, and and stay at it. So even even when you want to get that nicer car, and the the temptation is maybe I back off what I'm saving in my four hundred one k so I can afford that bigger payment. You resist that temptation. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> Which is interesting that you mentioned car. I, I feel like one of the, the um, I'm trying to be a, re- a former spender, but I still am. Recovering. I mean, yeah, yeah recovering I want to be more safe. But I mean, again, the older I get, the more like, oh, now I'm really being mindful of every penny that we're spending. But I wanted a mm. more expensive car. And at the end of the day, I ended up going with a different car that still got me to work. It gets me to work. It still does the same things, but I, it was a $30,000 difference Dang. that I knew that I wanted to put so much into a savings account. I didn't want to take the money out. But it, again, so I felt hmm. like I'm, and that rewarded me. Actually, I felt really, I wanted the other car, but then I'm like, <laughs> no, I just saved myself 30 grand. Hmm. And yes. then that started, my mindset has shifted. Like, okay, hmm. now what else can I uh, go without for that long-term gain of putting money in the savings or again investing it often starts with that realization mm-hmm. you know you have to have that experience to realize oh wait you know I, I i didn't get the car that i would love to have but i got a really reliable mm-hmm. very good car i'm sure mm-hmm. it's a very nice car 
but you also have this 30,000 you can save and mm-hmm. it can grow. Mm-hmm. And, and once you make that switch and you start to find value in that savings and what you've, what you've put aside, that's when I think you make that flip and uh, you can really begin to save and you start thinking small about every little mm-hmm. detail that you spend. And, and what I'm hearing you all say is, if I can repeat it back, the habit is of, of this particular thing is it sounds simple to say, Harder in practice, live below your means. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you can put that on a on a T-shirt or whatever, but like doing it in practice is mm-hmm. really difficult at times. But what, what you're describing is exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll give you another example that, that is uh, live, live below your means. So many of us have, have either went to a car dealer to buy a car or we were talking to a realtor to buy a home. And they give you the here's what you can afford. Mm. <laughs> well, well, that's what's that's, in it for them. That's great. Well, it's, it's here's what you can afford, and it's usually more, oftentimes yeah. more than what the person went to the dealership mm. wanting or the home that you want. And you start to think, oh, I can get this option, or I can get this nicer mm-hmm. car, I can get that. And I think the spender mentality will take that and assume, hey, if the lender or the bank says I can afford it, then I can afford it. So I'm going to mm. go with that nicer car, that bigger house, whatever. Mm. I think the millionaire type knows they don't need all that. They came in here with a specific goal of I'm going to buy this kind of house or this this kind of car. And whatever I can finance for this is immaterial. It's what I came here to buy and what I came to spend. Yeah, that's right. Talk to us about a habit around thinking even broader than maybe the initial cost of a thing. How, how, how are millionaires hardwired to make actual purchasing decisions? Because it's not just a don't, I don't, I don't think you all are saying like a don't buy mentality. No, it's it's maybe a have an understanding about the purchase itself and how that benefits your life. Well, and I also think it kind of goes back to um, you buy now and pay later. That's not a good mentality, and that's basically when you put things on credit cards. So if you don't have the money, then that's when things get bad. People start charging, and but with people that are intentional and logical about well. I have the money for this, but I really don't – I'm not going to get a gain from it. Or, mm. hey, I do have the money for this, so I am going to go on a trip. Because they have saved. They have maxed their 401k out. So it's more of a rational – Yeah. So, again, back to that contrast of the spender versus the millionaire mentality. And I think a, a lot of spenders look at how a, – a, let's say a car, how that makes them feel. You know, whether they're, they're, they're proud or their mm. neighbors are maybe a little right. jealous or they're – you know, the people look up to them because they've got a nice whatever. And – I, I think the difference is, to your point, uh, when you ask about how do they think about a purchase. So I, I think the millionaire personality or mentality thinks, what's what's this car going to cost me today? What's the resale value of it? What's the cost of the maintenance? What's the fuel economy? They think about the utility of that car and how long it's going to get them the service that they need, transportation, and what that all-in cost is going to be. And then what's it worth when I dispose of it, sell it, trade it in, whatever. They think end-to-end on the purchase, whereas a lot of spenders don't quite yeah. get past the, oh, this mm. is such a cool car, great color, I'm going to feel good right. in this. Or I'm how it's going to look to other people. I think sometimes people spend a lot of money to impress, um, what do they say, that keeping up with the Joneses or yep. the Smiths or whatever, Logic, more logical, like, I don't really care what you know my neighbors think of me or... I care what my bank account thinks of me, you know. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah, and it's a different mentality. It's more logical. It is. Mm-hmm. Which I think leads us into this concept of a, of an appreciating asset versus a depreciating asset. What's the distinction and how, how do millionaires navigate that habit? Yeah, so you think about things that we buy that 
days, weeks, months after we buy them are worth nothing. And and I then you think about things that you buy that appreciate in value. Think about generally speaking, your home, uh, investments, other savings vehicles. There's those things appreciate, and they tend to focus their effort, energy, their dollars towards things that appreciate. Mm-hmm. And you know, so when they're buying a home, it's the same kind of thing. It's it's what's the energy efficiency of the home? What's the school district like? What's the resale value? Am I the most expensive home on the block, or am I one of the lesser expensive ones? They think about mm-hmm. that resale value down the road and the cost of ownership. So it, it's it's all part of how they think. It's awesome. Um, Let's shift gears to, and I know it's an interesting topic to talk about millionaires and debt at the same in the same breath, but let's do that. So what is the overall relationship that self-made millionaires have with debt? Or what have you seen in your experience, Brad? They, they tend to avoid it at, at, at most times, right? But use it to their advantage when the pricing or the cost makes sense. So can they borrow the money to do whatever usually appreciating asset they're considering, can they borrow it and keep their money at work and making more than what they would if they liquidated wherever their money was and then bought the car, bought the house with cash? They make that calculation every time, all day long, and understand, again, the long-term cost of ownership, the the cost of financing, should I pay cash or should I borrow? Um, It's never, I don't say never, but you rarely (laughs) see a millionaire type see something that they want that has the tag next to it that says it's only X dollars a month. <laughs> you know, that's on a credit card or some mm-hmm. some type of, mm-hmm. of uh, loan that, that lowers the payments, that makes the acquisition sound attractive, mm-hmm. but they don't think that way. Um, again, it's it's what's the most efficient, do I need it, and what's the mis- most efficient method of buying it, and that's the path they go. Brad, I think it's super helpful. And there's this, this phrase or concept that, again, kind of sounds – cliche and it is for a reason because it's like we should pay attention to those right um but this concept of delayed gratification or framed the other way the gratification of delay i think there's this like immediate surge of oh it feels good to buy a thing or do a do a get the new car put it on a lease or whatever but then there's also this like all of the energy and anxiety that comes along with maybe being maxed to a limit, right? Mm-hmm. And so this this gratification of delay concept, and I, I think, Amy, you have a funny story even about um, uh, concert tickets or something. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, um, I, I forget. Yeah, no, I'm, I think that we were talking, I was talking with some friends the other day and Beyonce tickets came out and I love her. And I'm like, oh, How yay. could you not? I know, right? <laughs> and so when I went to look at the, the ticket prices, I just was like, oh, my gosh. Mm. That's a lot of money. And I'm like, again, another mature moment in my life. <laughs> I was was about to buy them, and I just thought, I don't really want to spend this kind of money on this ticket. I'm just going to say no to it. But I do think there is something to say. Like, there is, like, I think a ha- something happens in your brain, like dopamine, whenever you do buy things and you get mm-hmm. excited. But then later on, you get your credit card bill, and then, like, oh, or that trip, or... Mm-hmm. That TV ended up costing me 18x percent more than that if I would have just waited. And it goes back to that mm. buy now, pay later, because mm. you're getting that delayed. And then till a month or two later, you're like, oh, gosh, why did I make that decision? Right. So, But I also have friends that have bought the Beyonce tickets. And I'm like, oh, me, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Even though I want to go. Least not yet. No, Maybe uh, the yeah, I mean, if I got to – Yeah, prices but fall. I right. think that just kind of go, I made the decision to yeah. – not right now. I'm not going to yeah. do it. Yeah. And I, I think it's even harder today for people to resist that temptation 
because uh, social media, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody that goes to the Beyonce concert is going to be on every social media thing that they've got, and everybody's going to be buzzing, and there's a lot of gratification in well, that. Well, it's a social acceptance, or yes. it's hard, yeah. Yeah, and it's so my daughters would call it FOMO, right? Yeah, if, fair if I'm not out. there, man, I've got FOMO. And so it's a powerful driver to, mm -hmm. to want to do those things, to want to be at that concert. I know I had a couple concerts this summer that I was dying to see two different artists. And like you, the ticket prices were just silly. And, and oh God, I'm, not doing it. I'm just going to I'm going to wait. I'll see them another time in another place. But um, I, I think that psychology and the way social media reinforces the mm -hmm. the the. the FOMO or spending, mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's great that you've got that impulse control and that ability to say, you know what, it's <laughs> not a great use of my money, and and sure, I'm not going to be there, and everybody's going to be buzzing about it, but mm -hmm. um, I'll be better off because I'll have my X hundred dollars sitting in my bank account, yeah. you know now. So well, and right. I think you're Brad, you're onto a, a big point, which is we are, especially in this digital age, you can add anything to a cart at any point, it's and it's so kind of like at the house in moments it, relatively right mm -hmm. and and the the hard truth though is every new thing becomes old mm -hmm. every new thing gets you know either put in a garage sale or dumped mm -hmm. dumped a goodwill eventually and they it all runs its course and but brad i like your comment of maybe even just delaying that impulse having a little bit of distance from it so psychologically we can be like love beyonce not going. <laughs> or have a plan that you are going to, if That's right. concerts are your thing, That's right. you're going to save, go back to like an envelope plan or whatever. This much is going to go for concerts or trips or whatever. And if you don't have the money That's in right. there, don't charge it or wait for that. Or like, no, I am going to buy the Beyonce ticket because I saved up for it. Yep. Or, yeah. That's yep. right. Brad, is there is there debt that millionaires love? If I could be like kind of dramatic. Yeah, so um, I, I, I think there definitely is. So think about um, debt to acquire real estate, especially if it's income-producing real estate, commercial property, rental property, things like that, because not only is, is your interest usually tax-deductible in a situation like that, hmm. also you get this wonderful thing called depreciation, and that is a non-cash expense that counts against your, your taxable income. So there are lots of ways that millionaires use debt leverage, however you want to characterize it, to their advantage um, because they can acquire asset that appreciates at a, at a faster rate than whatever they're paying for interest. And all the other benefits that I mentioned um, are, are good for them. It appreciates over time. So, yeah, that's, that's one example. Especially when interest rates are low, uh -huh. like if people are wanting to do investment properties or like they know they're going to get mm. residual income in, but they're going to go ahead and borrow the upfront, but maybe then pay it off down the road. Perfect segue to our last big bucket, investing. Millionaires and their relationship to investing. How would you describe that or begin to describe that? So uh, I think it goes with starting small, like I mentioned before, is, is they, they start very small saving little bits that accumulate over time. And then when they do invest, say, in the market, they tend to be patient. They tend to know it's for a much longer-term objective. And the intermediate term, where you've got market volatility mm -hmm. and the, the statement values all over the map, you know, they tend to disregard that. Though they watch it carefully, and I'm sure it gives them angst, they know that they're in it for the long term, and they can ride out those situations. Mm -hmm. And so this is a complete contrast in mentalities. But the flip side of that is, a lot, of, a lot of investors I see sometimes, um, they look at those statements, they look at the volatility in the market, they get spooked, and they get out at mm. the worst possible time, mm. absolutely worst possible time, and then they wait, 
And then once the market's recovered and they feel confident to get back in the market, well, they get back in again. And then lost Which, all that. Yeah. And, and so they're riding the exact opposite end of the wave, right? Mm. They're, they're selling at the, at the low and they're buying at the high. And I, I just don't see millionaires do that uh, as with the same consistency. So they tend to understand, hey, this market's got volatility. I'm in this for the long term. I knew it when I bought it that it was mm-hmm. going to fluctuate, and I'm at peace with that. And that that peace buys a lot of return over time. Mm, that's good. And when I think about this topic in general, the self-made piece of it, so they're not in, you know, pretend you're not inheriting anything. Like, how do people like really? self-made to get to their millionaire status is they're started pretty early. Mm-hmm. And when I think about that as a mother to three kids and ranging all ages, constantly talking to them because I wish I would have started. I don't think any of us can sit mm. here and say are people that are older in their you know, 40s, 50s, 60s wish they would have started. Or they're all going to say they wish they started yeah. early. They're not going to be like, oh, I wish I was right. 74 before I did Right. This. <laughs> and so that's what I think from thing that I think about from a, a, a viewpoint of telling my kids just like you're telling your daughters when they get paid like start early Hmm. so they can get in that habit because i know i missed out on a decade totally which i think you're alluding to the and we've talked about this on on other episodes of the show but this concept of compounding interest yes are there practical actionable ways that come to y'all's mind in terms of taking this maybe out of theory and into practice yeah, so uh, I think it goes back to some of the earlier comments that if you're if you have access to a 401k with your current employer, start contributing. If you're mm-hmm. already contributing, contribute more. Right? Um, there, there's it's a it's a pretty big contribution limit these days. So start with that. Start with the everyday savings. You know the the have a savings account that you can park and emer- to build an emergency fund over time. Um, but I, I think it's important that you start very small and, mm-hmm. and don't try to save thousands of dollars. Start to save a dollar. Start mm-hmm. there and then it builds. And that goes along with having a plan and that's budgeting. And if you need a second opinion, which I actually think always get a second opinion, even if you, maybe you've been with the same financial advisor or you don't have a financial advisor, mm-hmm. is you know get a second opinion to see could I be saving more money or differently, which you know, at the credit at Community America Credit Union, we want to help people mm-hmm. with that. It's not just about it, it's about a plan for them. And when life happens, that we are there helping them set up for whether it's investing or saving for college or a savings account to um, do some repairs on your home or you know your kids need braces. Like, let's be intentional about that and having a plan. Yeah, I think the plan part is critical. I think it's also uh, just budgeting, basic budgeting, mm-hmm. to look back, um, whether it's monthly or quarterly, however often you want to look back through your bank statement, your mm-hmm. credit card statement, just see where your money yeah. went. And it's pretty humbling when you see oh, yeah. where, where you spend your yeah. money. But most people don't want to see that. They don't want to know that, so they avoid it. Mm-hmm. I would say pull it out and, and take the shock value and, and hope that it helps you save more. My, my wife is the saver, and I'm the recovering spender. And, and every month she's like, do we really need the Apple Plus account? Or, like, can we just get by? I'm like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we kind of need the TV and the iTunes. Or iTunes, look at me, Apple Music. Um, I'm curious, and I know every literally every situation is different, so there's no hard and fast guarantees by any means. But when, and Brad, especially as your comment of you've interacted with lots of millionaires over the years, general – architecture and rule, not, not, not a guarantee. But 
when people live like this, what happens with them? What happens to their mindset, to their emotional state of mind, to their income production ability? Like when, when you kind of have these habits, you have these this, again, not perfect, but this relationship to debt in, in a way that um, is a helpful relationship, not a hurtful one. Mm-hmm. And then this mindset of in practice of investing, what's the general arc of their life and their story? That's a great question. And uh, so here's what I've seen. People that are very frugal their entire life, they're saving for later, right? Retirement or for specific goals. And so what happens when they retire? Can they flip that switch and start to enjoy what they've saved? And the answer is not very often. It's hard. It's really hard. I spent a big chunk of my career trying to convince uh, people that they've got enough. They should, they should take that trip. They should enjoy. They should fly their kids in. You know, whatever it is, they've saved. They've worked hard. They've got plenty at that point. And then to try to get them to flip that switch and enjoy a little bit. Not go crazy, but but just enjoy life a little bit. They've earned it. And, go to the Beyonce concert. <laughs> and so, so sometimes it's hard. So finding that balance of enjoying the today, hmm. saving for tomorrow, and then enjoying the tomorrow when it gets here. That's uh, that takes discipline too, and and it's hard, to, just as hard as it is to convince a saver to save, it's just as hard to convince a, that that hard spender to begin to save. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think it kind of when I hear you, Brad, speak about that, it kind of reminds me of um, my grandmother who went, you know, grew up in the the thirties, forties, fifties, you know, where they were very frugal. Like I remember, she used mm-hmm. to um, even with her uh, coffee and like reuse it over and over. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this grass. is awful. Yeah. It, they were afraid. There was a yeah. fear. So I think they were always worried mm. that they would always be in like this depression and they didn't ever want to get out of it. And even though she was in her 70s and 80s and had money, mm. it was still in her head that, no, I this could be taken at any moment. But that also for nowadays, it reminds me of it's just stressful if you're not thrifty and saving because life is going to happen to you. Mm. I mean, you're going to get a car wreck and you're going to have expenses. And But if you have a plan, you don't have to like, oh, well, it's too bad that happened, but I can afford to you know, take on. There, yeah. yeah. So yeah. whether any storm that comes your way versus there's a lot of people that do not, they cannot afford anything to happen to them, which is really sad. And that's what I see a lot of times. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, mm-hmm. we could have just, you know, but then I also get to see how much food they're eating out and all and spending money in other places. Like if they would have just had that money, they could have, you know, handled these new tires that they needed. And now they're borrowing payday lending and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Those are the yeah. big differences. Yeah. And, and to your point, that, that whole living within your means, saving for specific goals, having the peace of mind of knowing that you've got enough to get by and that you're, you're enough to meet your needs and meet emergencies – there's so much peace in that, and mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a it's a great way to go through life, right? With the confidence knowing that you can, you've saved, you've worked hard, you can you can meet whatever may come. Um, there's there's a lot of peace to that. Mm-hmm. So maybe they live longer and they live better lives. <laughs> and, and then you can have transfer of wealth. So right. like once you know if you if you've done well all your life, then you can save that for the next generation. That's right. Yeah, and I think the the word in my mind is momentum, mm-hmm. where it's like. And, and we're painting extremes for a reason here, of course. But the the always spend momentum leads to momentum of things that aren't super life giving <laughs> or okay. stress free. The 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 inverse of this millionaire mindset 
creates momentum of other opportunities, other investment potential, a higher quality of life, a higher peace of mind, to your point. So I just think um, that could be a could be a really rewarding thing. Okay, I'll tell you my guilty car confession yes. since you shared yours. Yes. It's, it's, it's relevant. Um, so my uh, our daughters had, had graduated college, weddings were taken care of. And so I was at a point in life where I thought, you know, it'd be nice to finally have that car that, that I wanted a sports car, right? I wanted a sports car. And so my dear, wonderful, patient wife went along with it, got the car. I had the car six months and decided, you know what? I have no business owning mm. this. It, 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 the there wasn't there for me. And I, I traded in on another wow. vehicle and, and came out of it really well. And so my point is sometimes when you have mm. this goal that's a, a, a material item, car, whatever, mm. And you get it, and you realize that there's there was no there there. It didn't really bring that sense of satisfaction or whatever you're mm-hmm. looking to get. It didn't work for me, and that taught me a lesson about cars. And and, and it, I was pretty late in life when I learned it. But <laughs> um, you know, it's just it's just you, you just have to look at what you're buying and say, did it really get me what I thought it would get with all the the emotional side things that, that I wanted? And the answer's no. Yeah, you're being Off-line. more practical. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I'm a reformed Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a conversation. Um, let's try to be as practical as we can and as helpful as we can for members listening. And let's wrap up with three kind of key takeaways or three pieces that, that people can walk from with um, taking their notes in their phone or listening as as, uh, as they're trying to work or work out or do whatever they're doing. Um, so, Brad, what would you say for number one? Number one kind of goes back to that start now, start today. So start small, start today, save till it hurts, you know. Uh, really reprioritize what you spend versus what you save. And when you start focusing on what you can save, you spend less by default. I love that. Amy, number two? Um, number two is um, – really don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses and don't worry about what other people think or, you know, if you're the fear of missing out, as Brad has mentioned, like if the social media people going on trips or to the concerts is like, don't worry, you only worry about what you have control over or that you're controlling and keeping up with um, appearances and stuff like that and spending money when you probably don't need to. Yeah, well said. So in other words, don't go to Beyonce unless you've made a big plan to save for her tickets. Yeah. All right, Brad, wrap us up. Number three. Yeah, so I think uh, n- number three ties into number one a lot, and that is you know, in- anybody can get there, and your there might be different than my mm-hmm. there. Um, how you get there is going to be different. But start with goals, and, and it's surprising how often when you meet with a couple that you know kids are in college or out of college and you start talking about goals – and they look at each other like, well, we've really never had the time to talk about what mm. our big picture goals are. So my point in that is start now. Build your goals. Set set mm. short-term milestones and longer-term milestones. Start saving today. And you'll be surprised. Uh, it'll take a little while, but it mm. will get there and it starts to accumulate. And like I said before, when you start focusing on what you can save versus what you can spend, it's a different world. Amy, Brad, thanks again. What a fun conversation, helpful conversation too. I'm, I'm uh, going to evaluate my spending habits profusely now. Uh, so I appreciate y'all and uh, certainly well, uh, grateful for the time and the wisdom you, you shared. Any closing comments or tips for members as they're processing this conversation? Yeah, I'd like to just say if you are just getting started or want a second opinion from a budgeting perspective, visit any of our branches. We'd be happy to help you with that or go to our .com on communityamerica.com. We've got resources on there. You can book appointments also with um, some well-being coaches. 
that would be my recommendation. That's awesome. Brad, any closing comments? Yeah, likewise, if, if you're ready to invest or if you're investing and you just want another opinion or a second look at your approach, we're happy to help you think through how you might invest uh, maybe more efficiently or wisely. We can help your money work harder for you. So uh, stop in any branch, ask to see a wealth management advisor, and we can help. You guys are great. Thanks again. And to the listeners and members of Community America, thank you all for tuning in. And until the next time, thanks for checking out the Community Conversation presented by Community America Credit Union. Take care. This podcast is brought to you by Community America Credit Union. This recording is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to replace the advice of a loan representative or financial advisor. The examples provided are for illustration purposes only and may not apply to your situation. Since every situation is different, we recommend speaking to a loan representative or financial advisor regarding your specific needs. All loans are subject to approval. You may also want to contact your tax advisor for additional tax implications. Any reference to third-party websites are provided for information purposes only and are not endorsed by Community America. Community America is an equal housing lender. Please visit communityamerica.com to learn more about how we can assist you in achieving your financial peace of mind.